Just yesterday, it was Father's Day, and we were just starting this journey. I know for some of you, you've been here for all six. For some of you, this is your first Sunday with us. Some of you have had a hit-and-miss Sunday here and there. And what we're going to try to do is make today kind of a capstone uh, a message. So if you haven't heard any of it or you've heard all of it, hopefully you'll get a good idea what the Daniel plan is really all about. But before we do that, um, I am going to go ahead and show you the junior high mission trip video at this time. This trip took place the last week of June, and uh, we sent over 30 junior hires and adults to Tulsa, Oklahoma. They say a picture's worth a thousand words. Let's check this out. I want to share with you um, from Kathy Davis. She is one of the leaders with Hoover Elementary, where our team served this year in Tulsa. She said, thank you for sharing your engaged group with Hoover Elementary. They were awesome. 
The three-day list was accomplished in just one day. They are now off to serve others the next two days. We're so blessed by their enthusiasm and their giving spirit. And again, that's Kathy Davis from Hoover Elementary. If you were part of the junior high mission trip team this year, will you stand up, please? Let's recognize these students and adults for their great service. All right, you can be seated, and you're going to hear more about the high school mission trip during the offering meditation today. Well, on June 21, we launched the Daniel Plan, and if you don't know what that is, grab your bulletin and turn to page six in your bulletin. We have kind of a summary of what the Daniel Plan is all about. It really revolves around five key essentials, faith, food, fitness, focus, and friends, and why each of those is important if you're going to accomplish uh, being who God wants you to be. And each week we've kind of looked at a, a different aspect. There's been an extended teaching this week. I've written a, an extended teaching on, on the area of focus and why focus is important. I'll get into that a little bit during the message today. But if you're new, understand this isn't just a fad diet. This isn't just a, an exercise program. So you run a mile instead of sitting on the couch all day. It's really looking at our body that we've been gifted with considering it an act of stewardship and saying, who is the the person that God intends me to be? What should I be moving forward? Susan Klein, the very first week when she shared her testimony, said something that I'll never forget. And she said, really, the title, the Daniel plan, really doesn't do justice to what this is about. It's not the Daniel plan, but it's the Daniel lifestyle. And so if, if this has been a blessing for you, or if you're just kind of getting into it now, don't think of this as that six-week thing we did in the middle of 2015, but think of it as, how can I make sure my life, for the rest of my life, is all that God has called it to be? And so today, you're going to hear a couple testimonies. Today, we're going to look at this idea of living the lifestyle. But I want to start this morning by asking you a question, and I want you to answer the question. You don't have to answer it out loud. You can talk with your neighbor about it. But simply put, what makes you who you are? What makes you who you are? Think about that for just a moment. If I had the Jeopardy music, I would play the Jeopardy music. I'm not going to hum for you today. But think about that. What makes you who you are? And I will go ahead and let you know the obvious. It's warm in here. One of the two air conditioning units is not working, but we are very confident that by the time you arrive next Sunday morning, it will be fixed and we will be at full power. So cross your fingers. That's what we're hoping for, especially if you're having a wedding in two weeks. Hopefully we'll be good to go there. So what makes you who you are? Five things makes you who you are. Number one is this, it's your chemistry. It's how you're wired. Some of us have incredible metabolism. Some of us have very slow metabolism. Some of us are are, are to the point that we haven't ran, we haven't exercised in months. We could go outside and run five miles and not miss a beat. And for some of us, I mean, it's a struggle to walk a mile, to walk a mile and a half. Your chemistry is your chemistry. And you can't do a whole lot about how you are wired in that way. But that's one thing that makes you who you are. Secondly, it's your connections. It's your relationships. Okay? So so maybe as we went through this journey, we've talked some about parents and kids and family. and, And you may say, you know, I don't have a good family relationship. I don't get along with my parents. 
I don't get along with, with my children. I don't get along with my siblings. I don't get along with extended family. I, I can't stand family reunions. You can't do a lot about who your family is, but that's part of what makes you who you are. Now, on the idea of relationships, we do have some control in who our friends are. We do have control in terms of who we spend time with. And for some of us, that's a tough life lesson that we've learned the hard way. We've invested in some relationships that that haven't been very beneficial, spiritually speaking. They haven't really helped us, spiritually speaking. But our connections, our relationships make us who we are. Number three, our circumstances make us who we are. What season of life are you in right now? What's your life context? My guess is there's some of you, you're in a really awesome season of life right now. Um, maybe you're early in adulthood, and maybe you don't even have kids yet, and you got a lot of free time, and you get done with work, and, and, and maybe you're single, maybe you're with somebody else, but I mean, every night you, you can go bike, or go golf, or go shop, or just veg on the couch. That's your season of life. For some others, and I'm in this season of life, it's a very busy season of life, and you find yourself going to 45 Little League baseball games in one month. And you're just going from this place to that place. And your season of life defines who you are. And your season of life is different than my season of life or other people's seasons of life. But that defines who we are. Fourth, my consciousness. How do I view myself? How do I view the world? How do I look at life? I don't know a nice way to say this. So I'm just going to say it. Too many people wearing the label Christian have embraced the Debbie Downer lifestyle. And if your name is Debbie, I apologize. I didn't come up with the phrase, okay? I'm sorry about that. But uh, you just, you look at life through negative lenses. You wake up and it's going to be a bad day before you're even out of the bed. And that affects who you are. And for some, maybe you grew up in a negative context. Maybe you grew up around negativity, and it's, it's filtered into who you are. And, and that's something that we can control. That's something that we have control over. How am I going to look at today? Am I going to look at today as a great opportunity? Or am I going to look at today as just another disaster I don't want to live? That's another way that defines who we are. And then finally, number five, my choices what I can choose to do. That's really what the bulk of my message is going to be about today. But one of the things that we've tried to do through this entire process is we have tried to give you some testimonies from folks that have done something one way or another related to the Daniel plan, whether it's fitness or they're part of a Bible study or it's food. So you're going to hear from two individuals this morning. Um, Joe Alexander actually asked me if he could speak. He wants to talk on the topic of fitness and why fitness has really made a difficult, has really made a difference in his life, no matter the context. So will you welcome Joe, please? Good morning. Thank you, Greg, for the opportunity to talk a little bit about my perspective on the Daniel plan. Um, for those that know me pretty well, and maybe for those of you that do not, one of the things that would greatly define me would be somebody that runs. It's something I've done for about 30 years. Uh, I run for different reasons today than when I ran earlier in my life. I found out in the fifth grade that I could run around Lincoln School Playground quicker than anybody else. So to that end, I continued in uh, running in junior high, Go Warriors. I continued uh, running in high school, Go Maroons. And I had the privilege of running for the University of Illinois Fighting Illini, where I had a part of a 
being a part of the Big Ten Track and Field Championship. Go Illini. And I, though, run for different reasons today. One of my probably greatest blessings now is to run with uh, two of my sons who are in the back of the room, and I'm embarrassing them right now. And it's really fun to do that. They also think, just so you know, that it is perfectly normal to run around Clinton without your shirts on. But I run for different reasons today again, and as Greg indicated, you know, if you dig a little bit deeper on Joe Alexander, you may find a couple things that, are, that you didn't know about. See, my father, who is now deceased, and we buried nine years ago this coming week, uh, went through three different heart surgeries. He had his first heart attack when he was 37 years old. He would have two more heart attacks. I don't know about you, but losing your father at age 62 is too young. When you're 31 and you've got three little boys at home, um, it make, made me reflective on where I was at with my own personal health. And then my mother, uh, within a year of my dad's passing, uh, de detected a lump on her breast. She had to have a lumpectomy, cancer and radi cancer radiation treatment. Then a little bit of a time went by, and guess what? She found out she had more breast cancer. Then the doctors suggested a, a, a mastectomy, cancer and radiation treatments. Wasn't ready to lose my mom as I had just lost my dad. And then by 2010, 2011, my life would literally blow up. As some of you may know, I was married for 15 years. The good Lord blessed me with three sons. And what I would begin to go through, I had no idea what, I would, what would come. Um, to basically sum it up quickly, our divorce was a textbook case on how not to get divorced. It took me four calendar years across the street to get divorced in DeWitt County, Illinois. It was a financial train wreck. My former father-in-law accused me of, of uh, criminal wrongdoing, including reaching into his car to take photos of him in, front in Webster School as I picked up my niece and he picked up my youngest son. To make a long story short, I had to go through a horribly embarrassing two-day jury trial where I was found not guilty of doing what was alleged by my then-father-in-law. To say I was sad and stressed and depressed would be to understate that. There was a lot of pain that I was going through. I had people, quite frankly, that I thought were dear friends um, not, speak, not treat me real kindly. Conversely, there's people, including many of you in the sanctuary, that reached out to me when I really needed help and assistance. In addition to my faith and prayer and scripture and meditation, I found myself going back to something that I started doing when I was 12 years old. I ran. Because one of the things that you may or may not know, and if you don't know it, I'm going to let you in on a little secret, your body produces something called endorphins. Endorphins are wonderful. I love me some endorphins. And the exercise for me when I was going through that really tough time, I'd go pop a five-mile run, okay? That's just what made me get going in the morning. And I get it. Maybe you don't run. Some of you hate to run. I get that. But you know what? I love seeing fellow congregants, whether it's Becky Glenn. I don't know. I saw Dave here. Becky's in here. I don't know. I love to see Becky Glenn out walking. Or Alan Trago. It's like, hey, Alan, great to see you this morning. Danny Bundy. Um, walking around town, or maybe it's Gary Goldsmith biking. 
But probably the person for me that best exampled the Daniel plan, that she was doing the Daniel plan before the Daniel plan was the Daniel plan, Genevieve Farnsworth. Can I get an amen to that? I mean, Genevieve Farnsworth at the age of 90 years old, she's walking down Quincy Street. Or when the weather would get cold, where was she? She was in the Family Life Center walking, getting her exercise. Would anyone say that the good Lord hasn't blessed Genevieve Farnsworth by her exercise and her basically taking care of her body? I don't know about you, but Genevieve Farnsworth has greatly blessed my family and generations of people in Clinton and, quite frankly, this church. So, Greg, thank you for the opportunity to both. uh, I've been in church all my life. I've never heard of really anybody articulate what the Daniel plan articulates. That's my story. I know some of you have similar stories. Um, You know, I know most of you think I'm a little crazy because I run, but that's what I do, and it's a function of the Daniel plan. Thank you. All right, Joe, thank you very much. Also asked Marsha Wise to come up. I asked Marsha. um, Marsha was on the mission trip when we started the Daniel plan, and yet uh, shared with me right after how she wanted to dive in, and I just asked her to share uh, some experiences she's had the last five weeks. Yeah, junior high mission trip. (laughs) The adults know my idea of the Daniel plan from the mission trip. And I know Greg had mentioned the Daniel plan months ago, and I thought, what is that he's talking about? And I kind of went to the internet and looked it up, and I just kind of glanced and went on. I thought, yeah, we'll get it later. So then when we had the books available, um, I always key into whatever our church is doing. And I got the book, still didn't really know what I was looking at. And I thought, well, mission trip's coming up. I'll read this on the mission trip. I love to read when I'm riding in a vehicle. And only this time I drove the van, so there was no reading in the vehicle. So I thought, well, I'll read it at night when we're done working. And that was exhausting. And I typically find 30 seconds between my head hitting the bed and falling asleep. So the book was either under my head (laughs) or didn't get picked up at all. So while we were sitting there, and I'm addicted to Facebook on my phone, as my husband will attest to, And I saw on there Marla Taylor's posted picture of a Daniel Plan meal. Let me tell you, I was disgusted. (laughs) I looked at that, and I'm sorry to say, I made fun of it (laughs) to the adults (laughs) on the trip. I'm like, oh, my gosh. And so I posted um, a comical, what I thought was comical reply, that not everybody understood that it was my uh, sarcasm. Um... Cody knows this because <laughs> this quote came up on my Orange Conference uh, trip as well. So I'm all about the Bible, and I take God at his word. And you can look this up, and I am great at Marsh's paraphrase version, and I can't quote you chapter and verse. But when Noah and his family got off the ark, God said to them, Until this time, I have given you plants and vegetation. Today I give you animals. Eat meat. So, yes. So I take that as a directive from God, eat meat, like be baptized, okay? I have a good friend at work. She calls me a carnivore. And uh, anyone who knows me knows that, yes, if I'm going to clear my plate, the meat is going to be gone even when I'm getting full, even over the sugar, which (laughs) I love sugar and I love Diet Coke. So the Sunday we got back from the mission trip, Stephanie Kluver was up here talking. And as she was speaking about the different ailments of her body, I started jotting mine down on the bulletin. 
And lo and behold, there was a long list. That night I was at my mom's house, and I said, what did you think about what Stephanie had to say? And she said, well, I thought they were talking about you. I said, me too. So I got to thinking about that, and that was on Sunday. And that day I saw uh, Glenda Kaufman's um, Facebook post. She has a group on to meet on Wednesday nights, and I thought, man, I want to do this. I want to do something about this. And it was, I think, the first time that it really, not that I haven't heard this in my life, but it, it really hit me in a place that I needed to be hit, was that my body is the temple of God. And as much as I love food and my taste buds are very happy most of the time, I don't take care of this dwelling. And I thought about that and I thought, let's put this in a logical place. Within my body, I have the spirit of Jesus Christ living in me. And sometimes I can just only imagine where I take him and what I say, and what I do, and he gets to bear witness to it all. And so he's borne witness to all the years of my growing, and I don't mean taller. So that day I was thinking about joining this group, and lo and behold, Kathy Hickman reaches out to me in a text and says, hey, would you want to be a part of this group? It's just what I needed to hear because I was already thinking about it, and it gave me the little extra push I needed. The great thing about this has been that we've shared recipes. We started taking pictures of our food, and we still do. For me, I typically take pictures of my food and send to my brother Jim Bob as a gloater of what I'm eating when I'm eating out, um, which he likes to make fun of me that I eat the most expensive thing on any menu. I said it's because I have fabulous taste. But in this case, I'm taking pictures of the food that is healthy that I'm eating. And yes, there's meat in my meals, but there's much less of it, and it's not fried. And um, so that has been a great way to be accountable, to have this group. We post recipes. I said, I can go in, and I can buy a taco seasoning on the shelf, but Tiffany Scott gave us a recipe for making our own, which doesn't have the preservatives and the poisons that we're putting in our bodies all the time, which is one of the things that I'm learning in this book and in the focus is what is in the food that I'm eating that wasn't in the food that I got in my dad's garden. So, um, has it been easy? Um, relatively more than I thought it would be. I thought by now I would be curled up in a ball crying for wanting my Mounds bar with a glass of milk um, or my daily dose of Diet Coke that I do instead of coffee, but I've given those up. Not to say that I won't. I mean, I had one Diet Coke in the last month and one Diet Pepsi, so for me that's, that's a big stride. I have not bought any candy bars, um, and I've had not as much milk as I would tend to drink. But with me, it's also coming with choices. It's choices when I go out to eat. What am I going to choose? I'm thinking about it long before I get there. And I get there, and, I, you know, I, try, I make my best choice. And I'm going to the grocery store and looking at labels for the first time in my life and, and buying the things that I see that are healthy. And my husband is a byproduct of what I'm eating, not that he's rah-rah into the Daniel plan. <clears throat> we have a very different physique, he and I, and obviously his metabolism is much better. So, but he's supporting me, and my kids support me, and they're always like, Mom, how's it going? What are you doing? Are, is this, I'm, just, I'm, do, I'm doing well, and I'm not having cravings. And while the pounds are not just rolling off of me the way I would like to see them, uh, I didn't get into this beautiful stature overnight either. So um, every day is a work in progress, and I'm happy for that. I had one kid call me last week and say, Hey, what are you doing? I said, well, I'm still at work. Ooh, good. Can you take me out to eat because I'm broke? I said, okay, where do you want to go? Panera, because it's by where he works. I said, okay. So I'm thinking already, what am I going to eat? And he's like, mom, are you still doing that diet? I said, clay, it's a lifestyle. Um, so he got a kick out of that. So people have asked me after the 10-day detox, did I feel better? And I'm here to say, no, I did not feel any better. I was exhausted. I came home every day, and all I wanted to do was crawl in my bed and die. 
it just was, I was exhausted, and I don't know what it was doing to my body, cleansing something, but man, it zapped me of all my strength. But now, four weeks later, I feel much better, and the way I feel better is not because I'm not less, <laughs> not any less tired, because now I'm taking a vitamin, but um, because I'm noticing differences in my body. I notice how I'm feeling better. I'm not having near the issues that I was having. I'm not walking around with a bloated belly all the time and swollen feet. So I know that the choices that I'm making are doing uh, better for me. Like Joe said, you know, you think about your family and your history. My father died at my age. He had one heart attack, and it was fatal at 53 years old. And I couldn't help but approach that age and worry about, have I inherited that? Is that the way I'm going to be? Because my dad's family all has heart disease. You know, so here I am at, at this age, and, and it's in my mind. It's in my children's mind, and that's what they've said. Mom, do something, because we want you here for a long time. Um, do I cheat on the diet? I wouldn't say that I intentionally cheat on the diet, but sometimes the choices, I may not have as good a choice as what I would have, but I'm still making choices, and I don't feel guilty by those choices because 95% of the time I know I'm, I'm choosing differently than I ever have in my life, and I'm happy, and I'm proud to do that. Um, I make concessions for what makes me happy. Like in the morning, I like uh, a couple scrambled eggs. Um, I don't use oil. I use my oil spray now. But um, additionally, for me, it's like, well, would I rather have the glass of milk or do I want my two teaspoons of ketchup? Because ketchup on eggs is a happy day. And so for me, I, you know, I make those concessions, what makes me happy, but what makes sense with the rest of the time what I'm doing. Um, there, you know, there's things with my body that probably won't get better by my diet because, you know, I'm, I'm older and I've abused my body with the weight that I've put on it, and uh, I'm okay with those. I'm going to work on that as well. Um, so the Daniel Plan has also brought focus to my life. It's brought focus to what I'm doing, how I'm eating, but it's also bringing focus to how do I walk with God? How, do I, how is my prayer life with Him? Because I need Him in my life to help me go through every step of everything I've ever done, and I, I testify to that. And um, I've noticed that, you know, for me, focus is a difficult aspect because my mind, not just my mouth, runs in a thousand directions. And uh, it, it's hard for me to calm down my body and to calm down my mind and to focus on him and what his word has to say and uh, to pray. In the focus, they talk about the good things in your life, smiling and laughing. I think I've got those. I do well on those, <clears throat> but it doesn't mean everything else isn't, isn't always needing some work as well. So I've mentioned faith. Um, did I mention my faith? My faith is the easy one for me because it's strong. It always has been. And I give that as a testimony to my family who raised us in a, a godly home. My food, uh, which I'm tackling, my friends uh, who are beside me and helping me, um, and my focus, which I'm working on. So what's left? And that's fitness, which Joe already uh, talked about. And I'm choosing myself to put this one last in my list of things to do because I wanted my focus to be on getting my eating in control first. And then I'm going to be working on fitness. And I've already had my friend April Harvey reach out and say, hey, would you like to go to the Y for water aerobics? And uh, I, I'm contemplating that. So that's the next step in my Daniel plan in my life is, is to get back on in, uh, into walking and doing some things. So that will be baby steps for me because of my aches and pains. Um, so now, a month later, I look back at July 1st when I was making fun of Marla's little a package of meat, which I could barely call meat. And I say that I do feel better. I feel better in my spirit. I feel better in my walk with God um, because this journey brings me closer to him. And I trust in him to walk it with me. So I'm thankful for this study. I'm thankful, Greg, for bringing it about to First Christian Church for it's given me motivation and support with a biblical, godly focus. And for me, that makes it all a win-win. All right. Thank you, Marsha. Thank you, Joe.
So I want to spend some time this morning talking about choices. We, we all have choices in our life. And five choices as we kind of wrap up the, the Daniel Plan sermon series, uh, but we're not wrapping it up. Five choices you can make moving forward. And number one is this, you can choose to get healthier. Um, if you have thought this is the craziest thing you've ever heard of, why would a church take six weeks and do this? Understand first and foremost, when we are healthier, it is a living testimony of our faith in Jesus Christ. It really is. And, and it's not easy. It's not going to happen overnight. I appreciate so much the testimonies some of you have shared with me off the record about what a struggle it has been. You will be better off in the long term. So I, I will not apologize. I, I had someone come very animated in week two and say, I don't think that this is something the church should be tackling. And I said, well, I couldn't, number one, disagree with you more. And I said, the problem is the church really hasn't tackled this for years and years and years and years and years. And so it seems foreign to our ears. And so first choice, unashamedly, I challenge you to say, I want to be healthier. I want to make the decision to be healthier in every aspect of my life. Secondly, I can choose to deepen relationships. You know how easy it is at First Christian Church, a church of this size, to just go through the motions one hour a week, roll in at 10.30, roll out at 11.30, barely talk to anybody. Now, I know I made you shake eight hands this morning, but most of the time you can roll in and really not talk to anybody and not ever grow in your relationships with one another. The best part of this in many ways is the testimonies I've heard from dozens of you that said, I've gotten connected these last six weeks with sisters or brothers in Christ through this study, and it's not going to just stop like that. It's going to continue on. If you only do Sunday morning church, you are cheating yourself. You are missing the boat. And so if you haven't been in the habit of going to a Bible school class, now's a great time to say, I want to be part of that. Small groups are getting ready to gear up again in the fall. September 13, the week of September 13 is the launch date. Make a commitment now. Yeah, I'm going to be a part of a small group. For a lot of us, our relationships can be through ministry service. Four weeks from today, August 23rd, we're going to have a ministry team service fair where, where you can look at all the different ways that you can serve, all the different ways that you can be plugged in. And that's a great way to deepen relationships. One of the brand new ministries for women in our church is the If Table on Thursday nights. And I know some of you have checked that out, but I know some of you have not. Why not take, I think it's the second Thursday of the month, they meet at the cable building. There's no strings attached. It's fellowship with other women that want to grow in faith. And there's food involved. And I don't know if it's Daniel Plan approved or not, but it probably is. So, so, so make the decision to go deeper. Nothing is sadder, in my opinion, than when someone tries to do their spiritual life on their own. I can't do it. I can't do my spiritual life in a vacuum. I can't follow after Jesus all by myself. We need each other. So make that commitment to deepen your relationships. Three, you can choose to trust God no matter the circumstance, no matter the season of life, no matter the storm of life that visits you. If your life is like a lot of our lives, we have seasons man, where everything is great, God is blessing, everything is rolling like we want it to, and then it happens. A storm of life comes our way. Life gets real tough. Maybe it's a diagnosis. Maybe it's some sort of a dysfunction in a relationship or your family or something happens and you think, man, 30 days ago life was great and look at today. 
Or a year ago, life was great, but look at today. And I want to challenge you, because for some of you, the reality in a church this size is, some of you are going to have a storm of life visit you in the next five months, the last five months of 2015. You're going to have something bad happen. Will you trust God no matter the circumstance? It's easy to trust God when life is awesome. It's easy to trust God when we're on the mountaintop. Will you trust God no matter the circumstances? For you can choose what you think about. You can choose what rolls through your brain when you wake up in the morning. And if you are a person that just, you've just maybe it's been generational, maybe you inherited it, and you just kind of got a negative slant on life, you can choose today to say, no more. No more am I going down that road. I will say this, the Christian life is a lot more enjoyable when you have a positive outlook. There's probably 15 things that could frustrate you every day related to the Christian life, related to how maybe people have treated or mistreated you or how things have not went like you wanted it to or you came to church on a hot day and the air conditioning wasn't working or something along those lines and you could just be bitter and angry and upset and and life's miserable like that. But you can choose the perspective that you have. And I hope that the area of focus is something that a lot of us will take from this study. To be a glass half full follower of Jesus. And number five is the most important thing. And if you have just zoned out for the last 30 minutes and you've heard nothing else, grab this. You can choose Jesus Christ as your Lord and your Savior. Now, I realize most Sunday mornings, like 90 to 95% of the people that, that come to services, they've made a decision where they said, I want to be a Christian. And maybe many of them been baptized. And, you know, the whole five-finger exercise, believe, repent, confess, be baptized, love the Christian life that Walter Scott started years ago. And we continue. A lot of people have been there. But that doesn't mean that you're allowing Jesus to be Lord of your life as you live your life. Sadly, it's really possible just to kind of go through the motions and say, yes, I'm a Christian, and not really let Jesus be Lord of your life. And so my heart cry for you is if Jesus isn't Lord of your life, you've got that choice, and you can make that choice today. If you were baptized at 8 or 9 or 10, and you kind of fallen away, and you just kind of faded, you can light that fire again. You can say, I want to be passionate about my relationship with Jesus Christ. Again, choices. We all have choices we can make. So what do we do with the Daniel plan? Well, let me conclude our study with three tips for you this morning. Number one is this. I want to challenge you to consider extending one or more aspects of the Daniel plan beyond this week, especially if you're just not so sure about it, especially if this is maybe brand new information for you. Whether it's the, the faith or the food or the fitness or the focus or friends, extend, keep going. Keep going down that road. Number two, make a commitment to develop, I'm calling it the Daniel Strong lifestyle. What's the Daniel Strong lifestyle? That's where you don't just say, I'm doing a six-week study, but you try to make lifestyle changes. I got to tell you, if you would have told me six weeks ago that I would actually enjoy eating broccoli, I would have laughed in your face. And this week, I, I actually two different times ordered broccoli by choice. And, and are broccoli, is broccoli better for me than french fries? You better believe it. You better believe it. 
And so will you consider embracing that lifestyle? For those of you that say yes to that, we've got a great opportunity coming your way on September 13th. Ken and Susan Klein, who are with us today, are going to be leading an extended study on the Daniel plan during the Bible school time. They're going to meet more than likely in the Family Life Center outside the kitchen. We're probably looking, what, 12 weeks? We're thinking something along those lines that will take us up to Thanksgiving. And if you've not been a part of any studies, it's a great opportunity. We've got books available. We've got workbooks that will be provided. It will be a blessing for you. And then finally, number three, share your Daniel Plan experiences with others. Do not keep your story. I loved Marcia's testimony from the standpoint that she's someone that first heard about it and said, that's not me, and today is living the life. Has she had challenges along the way? Absolutely. But that's kind of what the Christian life is like. Being, Being a Christian is a challenge. But rolling up your sleeves and saying, God, with your grace, with your ability, I'm going to be all that you've called me to be. Let's pray. God, thank you for today and for just the opportunity to kind of wrap up this six-week study that hopefully will be a lifestyle. And that through it all, it won't just be so I can say I lost some pounds or I ran a race or I I joined a club, but so that um, our lives will be taken into account that the stewardship of our lives will be pleasing to you. Thank you most of all, more than anything else, thank you for Jesus Christ, your son, and for the hope that he brings us. And it's in his name that I pray. Amen. It is invitation.